Oh, there we go. It's up there. All right. I think we're good. I think we're good to kick it off. Alexander, how are you feeling tonight? Feeling good. So good to be here with everyone and with you. And so looking forward to this. All right. So it's been uh, about a month and a half since we've done one of these. And we have been spacing them out to, you know, get a few episodes out, generate more interest, get more people talking about it, get more questions um, stirred up in people. And so we're not doing this like every other week. And so that we get more of a, a conversation uh, between us and everybody out there. Um, so before we get started, I do want to share my animal spirit tarot card or oracle what card that I picked. Tonight. Okay, so today, Phoenix, the Phoenix card came up, which is associated with the root chakra. And the Phoenix card in the Animal Spirit Guidebook says freedom from suffering and past karma reincarnation. The Phoenix represents the transformation of the past. It doesn't mean running from it, denying it, or burning bridges with rage. The Phoenix employs an advanced technique described in yoga as the burning of impurities through practice and dedication, tapas. Hopefully I'm saying that right. The essence of the phoenix is with us when we realize that we have been suffering too long and something must change. We take a stand and decide to live consciously instead of being driven by the unconscious mind and its long list of fears and aversions. At that very moment, the spark of the phoenix is lit and the great bird helps us burn through our baggage. We no longer run from who we are, what has happened to us, or what we have done. The stuckness and dead weight fall into the ashes and a lightness and clarity emerge. As the stagnancy continues to smolder, the phoenix lifts our spirits up and up and we begin to recognize ourselves again. We may catch a glimmer in our eye that wasn't there before. Look closely. It's a sign the fire of transformation is upon your wings. The Phoenix and the First Chakra. The ancient yogis believed that our heaviest karma, our karmas, reside in the First Chakra. This earthen center is called the Mudahara. Hopefully I said that. Correct our root. The, as the ascent of the Phoenix begins here, and as the entanglement of the karmas is slowly burned, it rises from the ash toward the navel center again and again makes this journey from first to third chakra, purifying our essence, freeing us from the past. And Alexander, we've done an episode where uh, we discussed uh, unconditional love mm -hmm. and you, uh, or the, the majority of that podcast episode was, or talked about how you feel that, that, uh, that unconscious love um, is is from the, the root up. So we have to heal our root in order to ever reach that, if you want to expand on that. Yes, yes, separating um, the, the difference between emotional love and unconditional love. And that emotional love being connected to that fourth chakra in, in the middle of the chest and the unconditional love residing more kind of in between that root chakra and the second chakra. Um, it's 538 hertz, and that's a C sharp, and C is the note for the root chakra. So, 
so that began my search into wanting to understand that more and breaking that down into when you are you feel safe and secure and you don't have financial concerns pretty much all of your judgment goes away and you're very much more open-minded about people about situations because there's no threat and so I saw that direct connection to where many people are focused on the higher chakras, but it's really about um, clearing that root chakra out and making sure that we release what we don't feel, you know, areas where we don't feel safe and secure. And much of this is installed in us or instilled in us, you know, before seven years old. And then we spend the rest of our lives dealing with it. So, you know, and I really wanted to connect that card to today as well. Uh, being 1111 and all about the shedding, what hasn't or isn't being useful anymore and focusing on those new energies and the building. And um, Aaron and I were part of building new energies today together. And so, um, so yes, this is great topics that we're bringing up and going to discuss. So, but yes, that's a great introduction to that um, so-called higher love and more emotional love. So I just wanted to uh, point out that uh, the event title did mention that we were having or going to have a launch party for Alexander's new website. Um, we practiced living in the non-preference as it proved to be a lot of work. Um, probably, I mean, I, I know it, it, it has been a lot more than I even I envisioned and I'm a web developer. so. <laughs> Um, there's just a lot of content that we've had to generate and put on paper, you know, because we've, we've created all these podcasts and it's just Alexander, you know, spitting off the top of his head, <laughs> getting the assist from the, uh, the consciousness, the mass consciousness out there or, or the divine. So, um, we're, you know, we're having to really put it all on paper and, uh, and it's just, you know, it's just taking a little more time. So Alexander, do you want to, you want to let the good people know, uh, when our next, date is that we we hope to have it done it's, yes, a it's just within uh, less than two weeks and so um we're not necessarily i'm going to hold off on the date but it is a special date and um and we're looking very forward to it so just be on the lookout in less than two weeks and we'll be we'll be launching that we got uh almost there today and uh there's no worries we just set intentions and then we trust the divine flow and the energy does feel better here um, in just a few more days so I did want to mention that uh, I did make a post in the event talking about uh, creating these these watch parties. And um, I know a few people in the past have done it. And I know a few people out there are doing it today. So we have uh, Michelle. There she is. Uh, thank you, Michelle. She says, hey, guys, I'm starting a watch party. So our idea, and I think this was Alexander's idea initially uh, way back when. Uh, see if I can that off here well i may not have figured out how to turn it off yet so <laughs> it may stay up there for a little bit uh, uh there we go all right um our idea was that if if people can create a watch party of this live stream and invite their friends who may not know about the podcast but are interested in these subjects or open-minded or, you know, just struggling generally and, and may be able to use some of this information for the benefit of their lives. They know you and they don't know us. So when you create a watch party, you create a comfortable environment 
for people to be open-minded and listen and accepted. And so when you create a watch party, it does cut you off from us because you're on, you're in your own little thing on Facebook. But if, if, uh, if that person who creates the watch party or even somebody else you want to, um, set up as the person to go between, they can have the watch party and one of our other feeds up that comments directly to us and obviously mute one of them. But then if anybody in the group has a question, that one person designated can then just ask the question and everybody can benefit from those questions because we'll, you know, we'll talk about it live on air. So uh, we do have um, multiple people doing it today. We have Sarah out there who says uh, she has a watch party going. So thank you, thank Sarah. You, Sarah. Thank you, yeah. Michelle. And it's so nice to see the stream. I'm able to see uh, the people that's coming. Oh, you can comments. see the chat too. Oh, that's yes, cool. Yes. So, so please uh, contact us. So it's always nice to, to know who's plugging into us out there. Okay. So uh, the two topics of our recent podcast, uh, it's funny because we recorded the preferences one based on uh, a, que a question from Michelle Lyon out there who, who, you know, stimulated that episode. We recorded that two or three months ago and it just, you know, just circumstances, it didn't get put out live or put out, yeah, I guess live until recently. And then the one we just did on anxiety it's funny how you look at the events going on in the world now and <laughs> especially with the politics and there's a lot of anxiety being created over people having preferences. So it's just, it's, uh, I was kind of laughing about it today to myself because of just how ironic and just well gelled those two subjects go together, Alexander. So I did want to kick off, kick off this uh, little chat tonight with those. And maybe you can uh, shed some more light on how, preferences or living in the non-preference goes with anxiety? Yeah, so first off, understand that some of these phrases that um, I like to use in this work is intended to make you question. It's never intended to offend, but anything that we have a major resistance to is worth looking at, is worth going into. Um, I call it self-research. And when we find or able to find those triggers and release those triggers or heal those triggers, we stand stronger and stronger in our power. So as I've said on the podcast, it's not that when I say practice living in non-preference, that doesn't mean that you never have a preference. What that means is you realize that every time you have a hard preference, you're going to attract the opposite strength of energy eventually. The more you project your preference, you're going to attract the opposing preference as well. And where it gets uh, destructive is when force comes in and you want to convince somebody of something. And understand that everything that grows on this planet grows through friction. So, so see, it's futile to try to force your opinion on somebody else, especially it makes them want to force their opinion. And all that you're growing is dissonance. So normally, if you are able to show someone that has a strong preference, stand in your power know that you're willing to listen to any other opinion because you're so strong in your view that it doesn't threaten it. 
that is the energy that's actually going to change and alter that other person to be willing to listen to your perception because there's very few people out there that doesn't get shaken when their truth is challenged. And I sought out those that I saw that didn't flinch when their truth was challenged because they were so comfortable in their truth. And those are the people that I call the wise. They have, they've emptied their traumas, their triggers, and they have taken the time to take all of their power back and to see that, they can be very open-minded when they're clear in their understanding of the subject and allow anyone to give their point of view. So see the whole point of conscious non-preference is not that you're weak in your opinion or in your view, but that you're looking to grow that view. And that normally is only going to happen around people that are receptive. And if they're not going to be receptive, then there's no need to give friction. So that's what I'm talking about, practicing non-preference. So when you are around people with opposing preferences, they normally know it and they feed off of the agitation or the aggravation of debating. And I used to be guilty of enjoying that myself, enjoying the, the debate that would turn into arguing. And it's just about feeding the ego and many times it's about people working out frustrated energy that they're carrying around. So we have to be very careful that when we stand in these external preferences uh, to just be aware of what it's attracting in. And when you're coming from a healing perspective, especially carrying anxiety, you just don't have the buffer to do that. And this was what I finally had to accept in my healing after five years of suffering from nonstop chest pain. I had to accept that I carried a level of sensitivity that I couldn't, I couldn't stand in friction with people. So I learned to be more strong and, and clear in my view of things and to give my view when people are looking for it and they're willing to search to find the connection rather than searching to tear it down. So, so that's kind of like a little introduction to how, you know, these preferences can amplify our anxiety because we, the anxiety many times gets triggered when we don't approve of something that's being said or done around us. And that preference is exacerbating that anxiety. So that's a way that, um, that I found in my own experience that these two subjects were very connected. I'm back. All right. Uh, thanks, Alexander, for that intro. So I did want to pose our first question of the night for the listeners out there. And we have a little graphic to show it. Question for the listeners. What is an area of your life that you are now working with non-preference? And I asked that assuming people have listened to that episode and, you know, have reconsidered some of their, or, or just took an inventory of their preferences and maybe questioned, you know, which ones maybe they could start on working on letting go of. Um, but even then there, there could be some of you out there who have worked on them already over, you know, your, your life. So um, feel free to leave that in the chat and we can throw those up there onto the screen. Yes. And another, another big part of, this while people are thinking about that is, you know, 
the way practicing non-preference just bothers people around you and to see that it can make other people very uncomfortable um, because they haven't been introduced to that type of um, stillness or that type of uh, non-attachment to outcome um, because we're not in control. That's the whole point. And to see that as soon as I recognize a preference, I want to make sure that I'm buffering that. That's the difference between intention, setting something with intention and setting something with expectations. Expectations is always going to be connected to disappointment. They coexist. But if you don't have expectations and you just carry intentions, like we had an intention about a month ago to launch the website today, and that's okay that it didn't happen because it's going to be even more beautiful in 10 or 11 more days. And so, so see, it wasn't going to do Aaron and I any good to, for me to carry a preference of definitely wanting that released, like say tonight at 11, 11 PM on 11, 11, 20. It's such a cool numerology, but see if it was supposed to divinely happen in my life, it would have. And because it didn't, I'm not going to hold on to that preference. I'm going to look at the next most beautiful date because I trust the divine more than my original plan, so to say. It was just an intention. And this is a great practice between intention and expectations. So I did want to, you know, offer my own or one of my own that I've worked on. And it's no, uh, I've talked about it before on the, on the podcast, which it's uh, related to sports. I used to be an, a very avid sport lover, and I would let a loss by my favorite team ruin the entire week. <laughs> and it's so funny that I look back on it now and, and why I held it, you know, so close to me because it has nothing to do with me. Yes. Uh, maybe it was because it's part of my identity because, um, Maybe I, I didn't find joy in, in other things in life. And it was, I was putting all of my energy into that to bring me joy. There are many different things. And over the last f about four years, um, it's been a slow, slow process. But I mean, I can, I can now say today that uh, I can watch uh, a Chargers game. And they, if anybody knows the Chargers out there, they always tank at the end. It doesn't matter. They, they just uh, broke a record for being up the most games in a row over 16 points and then losing in, in the last quarter. So to me, it's turned into entertainment. And once it's over, I laugh, turn it off. And, and it, I've actually amazed myself at how little I think about it after that. But would you say uh, quick question, would you say that you enjoy it any less? Um, it, it's a different type of enjoyment. It, it is. I, I don't, feel myself get involved in like in my chest, like anxiety. I don't, right, I don't anxiety, get, yeah. cause I, cause you know, you, some people, when you get into a game and you have a preference, it can create an anxiety when there's a pressure situation and it, it feels so much better not having, not giving it that energy and that power over me and yeah. to just be able to watch it win or lose. It's just like a movie for me. Right. And see that, Many times these preferences, and especially the people that have issues with those of us that are, are working to get rid of the preferences, uh, they, they like being part of a group. 
And so see when a team wins, then they go to the bar and they drink and they celebrate. And when the team loses, they go to the bar and they all, you know, moan and groan together. So it's that kind of collective uh, energy. And many times those people carry larger amounts of insecurities of many self judgments, and they just feel more comfortable in that group energy. And so they can feel very threatened by an individual that can be part and experience something like that, like a sports game and um you know and not not take it home with them or not take it more seriously than just the experience that they're having so i do want everybody to be aware of that that when you do start because see this practicing non-preference is different than not caring we're not we're not supporting not caring that's not the point it's just not being attached to the outcome because of you know uh, the first pillar of find the divine order in the chaos that you know, there is a divine order happening here and I want to match the frequencies of that and set my intentions in direction with that and trust that when my preferences doesn't work out, that I can be a true adult about it and look for what is being presented. And that's exactly what we teach our kids or we try to as a good parent, that they're not always going to get their way. But if you will look at it from a different perspective, you may get even more from it. So see, once again, the things that we learn in raising our own children directly connects us to the consciousness, to that higher energy, that divine energy. And so those of us that are parents or that have been parents, pay attention to what you tell your kids and make sure that you're doing it on your adult side with that higher uh, vibration or that divine energy. Yeah. And, and the cost of having a preference over a sports team is, you know, yes, you get to you. I guess you better pick a good one, a good team <laughs> because, you know, you get to share in that joy and get that energy high of the mass consciousness that shares that same preference. But when they lose, you share in that down. And, and like we've talked about before, kind of the sweet spot is to not, you know, try not to have those really high highs because, it attracts those really low lows. And I mean, I know from experience that that is how I used to live. Mm -hmm. And even, um, I know I talk about it a lot, but like the Aries traits of like even starting a relationship where you, you know, they want to just like have everything right now. Or when like we've talked about starting that shirt company mm -hmm. that I've done and, you know, trying to be perfect all upfront. You you're not allowing the energy to slowly build. You want it all now. And that's only like, if you can't sustain it, then yeah. there's going to be a fall. Yes. Yes. And, you know, connecting that with your inner fight with the generator, which is, you know, chop wood, carry water, do stuff just very slowly and consistent and it will build and turn into something. So that's a, you know, a great example of mixing, so-called Western astrology and the cards and the human design that we work with uh, in this philosophy to, to see that we do have areas of our body where we're just in turmoil or fighting. And this is where so-called consciousness comes into play because the definition of consciousness is that higher ranking parent that is able to step in and say, hey, I recognize both of you. I love both parts of you. But now is the place for you consistency, not you excited energy that wants to build it too fast. But say 
that where you're in a um, creative mode and you're doing some creative project, then yes, that's where that spontaneity, that that excitement, that that willingness to jump right in. So see, this is this is really more about is getting back to the preference, working in non-preference, because if you practice the non-preference, then you learn where to direct each energy. So it comes back to our teachings of right time, right place, right person, right duration. And timing is just of the utmost importance. So so hopefully that's helping to to bring some of this, you know, around for our listeners out there. Okay, we got uh, Claire has Hello, shared Claire. hers. She says, I've been working on my non-preference when it comes to close friends and family who have had different responses to, I guess it doesn't, it stops. Okay, she said, uh, different responses to the election. It's mm -hmm. been interesting for me to be aware of my own judgments that still linger. Oh, and, and yeah, and this is a subject that... Um, you know, we can, I, I'm, I'm glad we're getting off sports because I know not everybody's a sports fan and I want to make sure that people can, can connect with something that they are experiencing. And, um, you know, if you want to, you know, use uh, politics as a metaphor or if we don't want to go there, that's fine. Yeah, any um, drama anywhere, you know, for many people, it's uh, the way that certain people are suffering and where other people are, you know, doing so well. And so, so, uh, you know, for the masculine energy, many times it's in a sports analogy, but for the more feminine energy, it could be in a more dramatic uh, type of analogy. So, so, so yeah, so what was that with Claire? I want to make sure that we cover that. Yeah, so she was just a statement. Yeah, yep, that was that was her. And that's uh, all big stuff question. because this is where, especially with family, um, it helps to do the inner work because as if there's contention in the family, then many times you can see parts of yourself on both sides and whatever part you have worked on, um, healing or getting rid of is the parts that you're going to judge the most. Because once we move past something in our family lineage, we don't like being shown it. So, be very, very careful with your judgment because many times that judgment is just a sign that you are moving forward, but we need to stay humble and non-judgmental and just recognize them as a mirror. And then you can actually thank them. And the way you switch that is to get into gratitude and you thank them energetically or mentally for being your teacher of reminding you where you've come from, reminding you not to slip back into that reminding you so it becomes a beautiful teacher rather than something that you just want to avoid and that's all a perception shift and those become those people that irritate us the most become our beautiful teachers and reminders and this is how we learn to stay in love with our family and friends that have strong preferences so sam has a question so we'll we'll get his question and then i'm going to jump into some anxiety questions uh so hey, here we go so Sam says, it sounds like if you have expectations, you are actually lacking faith. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's that's a very beautiful way to put it and to ponder. And that's why I've noticed that the people that react the least are most comfortable in their truth. And so that's why that's such a good check in that the more that you need to defend something, probably the less that you truly feel 
um, is truth. And this, this can become a very useful tool when dealing with people, uh, when you're able to look at it from that perspective and just realize the more that they're pushing it, more than likely, the more that they doubt it themselves. And they're trying to prove just the exact opposite. But when you see someone that can speak their truth and listen to any other opinion and not be swayed, but not be bothered either, um, those are the type of people that I look to sit down and have talks with. And when you're able to get to that point, you're able to actually direct conversations and plant wisdom seeds. Um, because see, remember, we need to teach people to listen, not tell and yell at them to listen. So yes, those expectations and preferences are very, very um, connected. Well said, Sam. Okay. I'm going to get into some uh, questions that I cooked up. Does anxiety serve us in any way? And I'd say this because we've done an episode on ego. And I remember going into that episode where I was of the mindset that ego was bad and we had to kill it, <laughs> which I think is a, is a pretty popular viewpoint. Cool. And, um, I guess, uh, I learned something. I learned a lot that episode and I urge people to check that one out. Uh, I think it's understanding the ego and how to something it, use it, utilize it for growth, I think. So Alexander, I wanted, I wanted to know, does anxiety have a role like that in our lives or is it, is it kind of a response to something? You know, in general, I want to answer that, that most everything has a usefulness and has a point to where it starts to be degrading. Um, you know, the usefulness, I like to be that investigator and find like the answer to that question, um, you know, or to any question uh, to where I can have an answer and or find a way that how can I, how can I make anxiety useful? And what I come up with was uh, to truly activate gratitude and that when you feel that something is not right, it gives you an opportunity to be so grateful for the things that are right. It's similar to when we get a stuffy nose. We don't really think about how beautiful it is to be able to breathe smoothly and freely until we can't. And anxiety in those that are going through it, you know, first of all, just gives so much compassion for anybody that's going through any level of it. I know the devastation of it. And um, I just give everybody a big hug. But what I found as a buffer was to have a default gratitude person, place or thing that you just keep fresh on your mind at all times. And I like to say create a gratitude practice where, you know, every day you're going through a list of people and places and things that you're grateful for. So when an anxiety attack or some type of situation happens that you can access that gratitude quickly, because if you can use it with your intention and say, I'm going to turn my anxiety into something to invite in rather than to run from. And one way to start the invitation is you're reminding me to be grateful. Let me call someone right now and tell them how much I love them. Let me go 
enjoy something out in nature because my heart's racing and it's making me scared. So rather than going into fear, let me go into gratitude and appreciation. And these things need to be practiced daily so that we can access them because most people, when they go through an anxiety attack, they, they don't think to access something like that. So that's why the repetition um, daily, getting into daily practices, uh, you know, meditation is something else to get into daily for anybody that's going through anxiety to get used to the rhythm of your breath so that we can in the episode, you know, I think Aaron asked me tools and to suggest and the breath, breathing and vocal toning is what I suggested. And when you can get into that breath, you can realize that you can actually slow your heart rate down by your breath. And the longer elongated inhales and out exhales that you make, it slowly starts to slow that heart rate down. And then if you implement vocal toning, which is just elongated vowel sounds, it's even more powerful. And then you add in gratitude. So now you've got the breathing. You're paying attention to your breath. You're doing one constant tone like and you're using your intention. Those are all very, very powerful tools simultaneously. So what I would like to ask everybody to do that's listening right now is I just want to do five breaths and tones together and please join me and I'll do one and then we'll do four together. So don't worry about matching my tone perfectly. The main point is to just focus on your breathing and just making a sound. So I'll start. someone that you are so grateful for and exhale. Participated, take time to see if you feel any different. And those of you listening may have even heard my heartbeat coming in at the end of those breaths. And that's what you want to get into. And so, so please, everyone um, that resonated with it, utilize those three tools together the breath, the voice, and gratitude all simultaneously. Mm, good vibes. So I, I did mention on the episode, because, you know, we did talk about the same thing, 
that w after that exhale and the ooh, when you take that breath in, notice how different it feels. And I don't know what causes that difference in feeling. Like you're just kind of breathing in. I don't know if you're breathing in your sound wave that you just exhaled or if it created some, you know, some sort of coolness in your chest. <laughs> But when you breathe it in, it just, I don't know, it just feels great. It's like, you know, it's like taking a mist of rose water or something. Rose yes, oil. I think, you know, a big part of it is just that elongated inhale. And most of us are panting throughout our day. So, so you know, anytime we breathe in and our heart's able to beat like multiple times in one in-breath and then it beats multiple times on one out-breath, that's very uh, different levels of oxygen and releasing, um, you know, toxins. Um, both simultaneously. That's why breath work in general is very powerful. Okay, I did want to bring uh, the question back up. If anybody else wants to comment, we do have another one that I'm going to share. It was, what is an area of your life that you are now working with non-preference? And Megan has joined in, and uh, mm -hmm. Finn has, I don't know if you guys can hear Finn. Finn. What up, Finn? Uh, <laughs> Uh, Megan says, I have been observing how I have been feeling when things don't happen the way I have expected them to. And this has helped me realize where I've had a preference or an expectation. If I'm having a reaction, I reassure myself that all is in divine order. Something mm -hmm. better, something better may be around the corner. Well said, very well said, utilizing that, that first um, pillar again. And that's, you know, we have five pillars uh, but for me, that first one, I very rarely have to go past the first one, but I do feel strongly that um, all five can can bring a peace and a calmness uh, to a situation. So that's why they're such a big part of, of the just philosophy. So we have a question from uh, Sarah's watch party. I feel like I want to call them something like... Uh like a pod. I don't know why that's coming in, into, but maybe we can come up with a cool name to call them. Right um, so uh, she asks, what are some tools and techniques that people with anxiety that is based around security issues, which I guess would be mostly around the, the root shocker, like we talked about in our card pick earlier, um, that is based around security issues can use to find security within themselves if they don't know what that internal security feels like so what are some tools and techniques that people with anxiety that is based around security issues can use to find security within themselves if they don't yeah. know what that internal security feels like and we had a little glitch there so um i'm leaving now uh, can you read that one more time sure yep what are some tools and techniques that people with anxiety that is based around security issues can use to find security within themselves if they don't know what that internal security feels like? Mm. Well, many times that internal security um, can, you know, be practiced through gratitude practice once again, that normally a lack of security comes from um, not being not feeling special or not feeling a, a, a special kind of connection, even to a family or a tribe or um, even to the children. So I think that's about, 
you know, relating. And, and, and like not feeling abundance too, like that your life is abundant. Yes. But many times I don't use the term abundant a lot because it has such a, a financial activation. Um, so, so yes, a worth self-worth might be a better word to where you just, you realize how <clears throat> important and non-important kind of simultaneously that you are, that you feel important to certain people in maybe certain situations, but in the overall thing, you're not taking that uh, to your ego that you're, you're so important. So, so those, those self-worth issues are need to be approached. And many times that is done through changing our story. And, and sometimes uh, some of us have heard that we're not good enough or that we're not going to be good enough. We've heard these stories that we keep listening to rather than when somebody does show us appreciation. So part of the practice can be making sure that you like keep a journal and you write down every time somebody gives you a compliment, because the majority of people that struggle with this are busy deflecting. Even when people are giving them compliments, they might say, Oh, you're such a good mom. And inside the mom just thinks, no, I'm not. I just did this yesterday and I'm judged that. And so I can't even accept that, you know, compliment. So that's the very first place I would like to suggest for people to look is make sure that you are absorbing and receiving what is being offered because we can be busy deflecting and then we don't have anything to pull from when we start to go down in those holes and to to keep a journal of them is something that you know you may be able to go back and read and you'll remember the person like saying it or writing it and that's the energy that you want to get into not just like that's why I'm not the biggest fan of, you know, positive affirmations because it doesn't have like a true energy behind it. It's a self-generated energy rather than another energy that is bringing it to you. So utilizing life experiences, life relating relationships that when you are given a compliment or when you just have like a nice evening with somebody or a nice conversation to, to go right down in that journal, Hey, on 11.11, I listened to this very cool podcast and it made me think of this. Like those types of things need to be reminded. We need to write reminders so when you start going down in the hole, you can you can pull on those. And like one of my recent ones is a beautiful gift that Claire and Aaron put together for me for my 50th birthday. And that was my gratitude box. And it they had contacted um, clients and friends and associates uh, to just, you know, write something that they were grateful uh, toward me about. And, and so like having the ability to uh, to go to that and to read something out of that, you know, anytime that I want is just is so helpful. So just know that, you know, any of you guys thinking about gift ideas out there is one of the most incredible ideas that I've, I've ever experienced and everyone needs a box of gratitude around the, to, to remind them of the things that uh, people do appreciate about them. And so I think that's an important part uh, of that. I hope that's useful. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Even if like somebody who like, like myself, I want it, I want to journal, but I just don't. Right. And, uh, but an idea could be, you know, just get an old tushy box and have sticky notes. And every time, 
you know, you do get a compliment, you just write it on that, stick it in there. Stick it in that's there. A yes, DIY way of doing that's it. That's a great idea. And then, like I said, anybody that's looking for, especially with Christmas coming up, I mean, this is just a great time to make that idea explode. And um, someone at the um, heard connected to the podcast, you know, heard of this and did it for her boss, and it it went over extremely well. And so, once again, um, that's one of the most beautiful gifts I think you can give is showing just a box of people showing appreciation and be able to go to that. So you kind of mentioned um, part of this. So I'm going to bring this, this question in uh, and it deals around people who, you know, go beyond the anxiety and it ends up into a depression. And um, I know some people out there are experiencing this and that is really, really rough. I've experienced it a little bit over my past and my, my questions around that were, how does someone energetically end up in a full-fledged depression? And then how do we dig ourselves out? And I think, you know, part of what you just talked about would be one way of digging ourselves out would be finding, you know, our self-worth in other people's eyes. So right. we, real, you know, we self-realize that. Yeah, so um, generate that self-worth, yes. But, you know, the main uh, staple here that, you know, I want to mention is understanding that there's five levels. And of course, we bring these five levels up just about every podcast, every Q&A. And it is the physical, the mental, the emotional, the energetic and the spiritual. And that all five of those levels need nurturing in that area. Many times depression and anxiety is directly connected to a lack of magnesium in the body. And, you know, the adrenals, the thyroid and the heart are all connected. And once it gets down to like anxiety and panic attacks, the adrenals are normally completely drained. And most people then do have thyroid issues. And the next step is the heart. And so seeing on a physical level that you're, you know, you're truly feeding your body uh, greens, if not supplementation, but making sure that you're getting like magnesium in to feel that and um, I know uh, for meat eaters out there, you know, meat has the can can provide some of that and the B vitamins as well. And but paying attention to every level, you're not like mentally watching things that are stressful. You're not being entertained by like scary movies or action movies. Like the adrenals does not need to be activated. So it becomes only on an emotional level that you don't allow yourself to get around anyone that is overly emotional that you learn to manage your environment manage your environment and then like with the spiritual that you make sure that you're taking time to feed your soul in whatever way that is uh, for mine it was it was stillness and creativity combined like through creativity uh, it, that makes me feel alive it makes me feel useful in this world so when i have self-doubt I go straight to creativity and try to remind myself of that. I do have whatever limited gifts it is. I at least have the ability to put something out into this world and that can start to help to build that in me. And so, um, so I think that's, you know, important to, to add is that you're focusing on all five of those levels and that you, you find the answer for all five of those levels. The physical part can be movement that many times, Depression activates uh, 
a lack of, of energy. And so you do need to get up off the couch. You do need to get out of your home and get out into the woods. So see, this comes breaks down to like discipline. And, but if you focus on all five levels and we have a, a wonderful planner that's going to be released with a new website that helps you to break down all five of these levels with any issue. So, so that would be the gold star uh, of where to start is, you know, just start dissecting your anxiety or your anxiety attacks, um, you know, in those five levels and see when, when we're able to go internal and answer these, these questions, it gives the mind something to do. And see, when, when the mind is stuck in anxiety or depression, it's normally in a loop. It's playing some negative situation or thoughts in a loop. And we need to redirect. We have the three R's in the philosophy of recognize it, then show it respect, and then redirect it. And that's what we're talking about here is just learning to redirect the energy rather than trying to run from it or fight it. And many times depression is showing a buildup of the energy that needs to be redirected because it's playing the same story over and over. And uh, utilizing those five levels is one way to do that. And if you have any complications or problems figuring that out, of course, reach out for a private consultation and, and we'll break that down um, very, very deeply and very precise uh, with you. Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, so this is another really good question that I'm even very interested in hearing um, the answer to. I did, or we did bring up empaths on the last podcast that we just released on Monday. Again, you guys can find it at, uh, let me just pull up that graphic on our new system here, download and stream the podcast on wise-wise.com, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and any other place where podcasts are found. So the question deals with empaths and, um, we talked about empaths taking on anxiety that may not be theirs. And so my question is, how do we know whether it's ours or not? Well, in an anxiety attack from my experience, uh, it wound up not mattering to me of where, whether it was mine or not. Um, it's kind of like getting shocked by an electric fence or getting shocked by something and you're trying to figure out, you know, what shocked me. Um, you can spend a lot of energy trying to figure that out rather than just allowing the process and acceptance is just one of the biggest steps in, in anxiety and just anybody that's empathic. And once again, the, uh, through a consultation, we break down, you know, it's important what area you're empathic in. Some people are empathic in the intuition. Some is the emotions. Some is the heart center or the will or their self-worth, and then some's the direction in their life, some it's mental. So see, just knowing you're an empath uh, may not be enough information, because if you know exactly where you're empathic, then you can direct the protection or the redirection much, much easier. One thing that I want to suggest to people is, you know, Epsom salt baths and uh, Himalayan pink salt baths to help cleanse the energetic field uh, very, very often. A sage is also a very good cleanser. And then, you know, of course, one of my favorites, the, the lavender oil mister that to just keep with you. And to 
once again, allow it once that anxiety gets activated to realize that, yes, it could be a pattern. It could be cyclic coming up um, from a year or years in the past. It could be you absorbing it from somebody that you've been around or it could be, you know, situational, even tied to your chemical makeup, like when certain um, nutrients drop below certain levels, it'll create uh, some types of anxiety. So, so see that figuring it out of what it is and where it's coming from. Um, I am definitely the investigator, but where anxiety was concerned, it was more about getting into acceptance as soon as possible, making friends with it and allowing it to work through. And I found from my own experiences that it was that when I, when I accepted it and just realized that it was here and it may be here for five minutes or it may be here for five hours, um, it stopped running into days when I started just allowing it and accepting it and basically allowing it and accepting it. I took it to the level where I would just stop whatever I was doing and I would allow myself to cry, but not victim cry. Just I'm going to allow you to be here. And the, the crying sometimes would come like when you had a friend that treated you badly, but you love them anyway. It's, it's kind of like that, that like you're coming in and you're making me feel bad, but I'm going to invite you in anyway. And that um, that embracing it um, instead of pushing it away, creating the friction is what I found to really start to dissipate it all the time. All right. So I'm going to bring in question number two for the listeners feel free to comment it in whatever chat you're in and I will get it in our system. Do you think your anxiety is learned or created? Now, Alexander, I don't know if you want to maybe go into a yeah, I'll elaborate. Uh, uh, and by learned, I mean, like by your environment as you're growing up, um, many people have a mother or father that carried anxiety. And so see, they were, they were almost um, taught it. Uh, or absorbed it uh, from, you know, from the parents. And this, this is very easy to see in the human design. And, um, you know, when a child that has the emotional center white uh, had an environment or a parent that was extremely emotional and reactive, they are trained in that reaction. They're trained in that response. And many times that training happens before you know, majority of it before seven years old, before there's an intellect to know what is actually happening. So that's what I mean by trained that you were and and this doesn't get into blame. It just helps to, to answer, oh, I picked this up from my environment, from my parent. And now I can let start letting this go because I just learned this. I learned this reaction. And the other one is more like you create it yourself where you um you worry you practice worry and once again worry can be taught uh to us but you you worry over things that are out of your control like so much that you literally drain your adrenals over time and then that pulls on the thyroid and then eventually it creates heart palpitations and arrhythmias and things like that so so some people, you know, can create their own so-called hell and then others are, were introduced to a hell early in life and are working to get out of that. 
And so, uh, so that was what I was kind of meaning by those two separate things, but certainly not to pass blame on anyone um, because when we step into our power, we release all blame. Would you say that the people who create it, it's almost created out of preference? Yes. Yes. You have to have preference to create, you know, that, that uh, resistance or that, um, that draining, so to say. And, and it's just habitual for people that, you know, watch the news and, and read the news and that type of thing that stays so involved with like every moment of basically they're just repeating the stuff 24 hours a day. And you might hear it in the morning, you know, before you go to work and, and it offends you. And then you hear it again at lunchtime and it offends you again. And you hear it again at nighttime. And so that's the problem is it just continues to activate it. And that's the energy you're in until you drain those buffers and then you don't have the buffers anymore. And then you're just sensitive and see another thing I want to mention is that emotions aren't intelligent. They, they don't differ from situation. So when you lose your buffer, so to say, then if you get like if you have preferences and you haven't practiced non-preference, then like, see, if you go to the grocery store and they don't have something that you want to buy, that can be the same as the preference of the president or the preference of your religion, because the emotional field don't carry the intelligence to decipher between the differences of frustration. It just knows the vibration of frustration. And that's once again, what brought me into accepting my sensitivity was when I realized that anytime somebody disagreed with me at, at no matter the level of, of subject, uh, it could be so mundane that my system didn't know the difference. And that's normally what I say that people that have gone through a PTSD or traumatic, uh, scenario, it flips your polarity and it makes you where you don't have any buffers anymore. So now the emotional intelligence isn't there and your electrical system's just reacting at every single type of frustration. And that's why it's so challenging for most people to dissect it. And that took me five years to dissect that out and then two years to figure out what to do about it. And my main one was frustration. Would you say a good practice would be taking an inventory of all of the energetic pulls that kind of that you're attached to in a way? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's useful to, um, you know, make a list of the things that like maybe the top three things that you just feel the most passionate about or and by passionate. What I mean is the need to defend um, like and and just pay attention to those and ask yourself, well, why do I have this need to defend? You know, maybe I need to look at making sure the way that I truly see this, I've done my research or I, I feel very clear in my perception of this. And that can help to, to start that practice of working on just seeing that every time you feel the need to lash out, take time to, to go study some more, take time to go pray some more about it, take time to go work with your own side of it, rather than focusing on the other side so much and the resistance of that. The other thing is just paying attention to how much you just carry, you allow things to just bother you. 
and we don't realize it, but through our day, we do a lot of, or gosh, or small little curse words, just over and over and over, rather than like learning to flip that energy to maybe be excited about, okay, uh, like this didn't work out and there's something else around the corner. And I think Megan uh, mentioned that, that you can, you can turn that frustration or that exhausting breath into excitement because that's what many kids do. And that's why there's such a great example is the unknown is exciting to young people, but it's so scary. And we were taught to be scared of it um, for adults. And that's part of the universal teaching that almost every culture has to be more childlike. And um, that's a very deep teaching and, and very useful. Yeah. All right. We have a question from Claire. It's another long one, so I got to read it. I've seen a lot of talk from the spiritual community about how the battle between good and evil is really ramping up with many predicting major events in our near future. How do you approach light versus dark with more of a polarity view? In other words, how do you think we should respond to injustices we feel passionate about and how should light workers fight back? Okay, here's a, I'll start this off with, um, sharing the story of, of Gandhi and not getting into, into any specifics of the person. I'm talking about an action um, of him being a huge part of freeing a whole nation from slavery. And they kept trying to bring him into preference. And they asked him if he was Hindu or Muslim. And his answer was, I'm either all religions or none. You choose. He would not take a side. He would not step into duality. When they approached him and they said, Gandhi, you either sign this treaty or you will go to prison. You disperse all of these uh, people that are protesting or you will go to prison. And he would say, well, let's go to prison. I can meditate in prison as well as at home. And so, see, he was exemplifying these things that, uh, that I'm suggesting, that you choose the way that you respond. And the way that you respond to life generates a continuous energy of building. And so if you respond with disappointment, then guess what? You're going to attract more things to bring you disappointment because I happen to feel that we are attracting lessons of what we need, not what we want. And those things are two very, very different issues. So when we are able to show that, that acceptance doesn't mean approval, that it means that, you know, Jesus once again taught to judge not. And so when there is some type of um, killing spree, you know, to have the thought of compassion for the, the killer, including them in the compassion as well as the victims. And that's what I feel like uh, many great teachers has worked to show. So, so when we feel strongly, we can we can share our view, but it doesn't have to be with force. It doesn't have to be with um, judgment of the other person's view. It can just be with the ability to explain. And anytime a person has the ability to explain their view, the deeper that they can explain, the stronger, more firm they are in their truth. See, this is different than proving. Because 
if you see that the other person isn't willing to listen, then there's no need to explain. The explain is only there for those that are willing to listen. And that's why you can put out a lot of opinion fires by just asking them to continue to explain. See, rather than resisting their view, let's see how deeply they're able to explain their view. And with, with a countenance of, of true interest, I mean, I'm always truly interested when I hear a point of view that is just completely baffling or, or in that I'm not in necessarily agreement with. I actually will make it entertaining to listen to their explanation. And many times you'll find that the explanation just isn't very educated or very well researched or very well practiced. Most strong opinions and people that have forceful opinions have very little um, to back it up the majority of the time. Otherwise, they wouldn't be so closed-minded. They would be more willing to explain and discuss. And so I think that that is a place to start is that you practice non-preference by practicing humility. And you practice humility by allowing those with different views to explain themselves. And normally as they explain themselves, you can see, oh, this isn't a battle that I need to fight because they, they, they're seeing it in a very limited light. But see, the key is, is they're not going to see it in another way until they want to. And they're not going to get to want to until they see an example of someone that can handle their view without aggression. And without, uh, when that view gets challenged, that it doesn't bring out that aggression. See, in the beginning, it will be seen as weak, as many people saw Gandhi as weak. But he did it year after year after year after year after year. And that weakness turns into an extreme strength over time. So see, that's why uh, the every way shower that I have studied, uh, there's been so many, the Yogananda, Gandhi, Jesus, Buddha, Confucian, uh, so, so many different ones, Gertrude, that, that the red carpet wasn't rolled out for any of them. So see, it can be seen as almost like an initiation that in order, when you practice humility, you teach humility. When you practice that humility, you teach strength in your own view. And so take the person that is bothering you with their view and just use it to strengthen your own knowing. You may learn something and be open to even your perception shifting. That's the true student, not the one that is set in the way that they see things as concrete. Because many times when a little more information is given, it can shed a whole different light on the subject. So see, truth is all about the variables and the variables are different in every situation with every person. So this is why we need to be very careful with, you know, truth that we're trying to shove down other people's throats and just recognize when others are trying to shove their through truth down your throat that you can be uh, in it without receiving it. And you can you can teach and change the world in this manner. It's certainly not weakness. It's one of the biggest strengths to be in front of somebody emotionally reactive and be able to hold your calm 
And that's what I call being an adult in, you know, uh, a childish world and why I utilize that and suggest people to look at the world and people through eight-year-old goggles, communicate with them like you would an eight-year-old with compassion, knowing that they're going to say some things that aren't truthful, some things that are judgmental, but they're just kids and they say the darndest things. We don't have to take them uh, logistically. And that gets into, you know, other uh, teachings of to practice not taking things so personal. And these are some of the just philosophies ways to, to get into not taking things so personal. But great questions, Claire. Tremendous. So is that why you would ask me questions about my crazy conspiracies and make? Yes, me, yes. Make I mean, me you're you're part of that. I would just I would just say, yeah, just please continue to tell me, you know, how how you view that and how it fits in here and and that kind of thing. And you know, and as soon as you see it start to irritate somebody, then please stop. You know, and that was the main thing is I never wanted to, um, you know, when Aaron and I first got together, he was really involved with the conspiracy views. And, and I knew that path because I had done it uh, 10 or 15 years earlier as well. And so, so anyway, I did utilize some phrases, you know, to, to see if they would create resistance and, and we would talk and whether it was about flat earth or whatever the subject was, you know, I, I would ask him how, please, you know, please explain that deeper. I, I want to hear you and, and, um, and hopefully it come across as earnest. And I think that that did help, um, some processing because see as people explain they can hear themselves and they start filling in the holes um, and that's what you're looking for is, is allow the person to feel you know to see their own holes rather than pointing out those holes and so that's why just uh, allowing somebody to explain their view can go a long way and I love it when someone gives me the opportunity to explain explain my view you know and in those depths well said. I think it was in the, uh, so two episodes ago on the living in non-preference episode we did, you mentioned pointing out things is the ego and being an example would be being conscious. I yes. That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember saying that, but yes, <laughs> that's, uh, that's the beauty of listening back to some of this stuff and the spontaneity the way that we do all of this is, um, is the fun part um, because we don't script it and we do kind of fly by the seat of the pants. And uh, that's why listening back to any of these recordings is always uh, fun and useful. So I did want to comment on Claire's question because it is my preference. My, my favorite one, uh, my favorite of the pillars is polarity versus duality, just because I grew up in, uh, you know, grew up Catholic in the church and, you know, we're taught what, you know, good versus evil and that type of thing. So I've always struggled with that. And this kind of released me from that. So it always has, you know, this special place. And so one thing I would add to that is that the dark is necessary for the light to exist without the dark, you know, everything's light. And then there's no, there sorry, there's no contrast there. Just like, you know, if we bring the sports in, you know, in, in certain um, sports teams have certain rivals and, you know, a lot of times um, their fans can, you know, they have respect for their most hated rival. Like in the moment they hate them, but they also like when that person retires, if it's a person or whatever, they give respect to them because that was necessary for that rivalry. And, you know, we can take it 
you know, through like superheroes or anywhere where there is a, a polarity, um, like, you know, and this is something that we have talked about in some recent podcast episodes, how it's necessary for yes. both to exist. I don't know if and, you want to comment on that. Yes. And the biggest comment to that is just a simple fact that darkness flees light. So see, the light doesn't have to prove anything. All it has to do is stand around the darkness. And that's what I'm talking about in these situations. Allow others to give their opinion. I mean, when I was practicing this in my family for, I went eight years without giving my opinion to my family, even when requested, because I knew that my view was so different from theirs. So any question of my opinion was normally uh, just an invitation to a debate. And like I said, in the beginning, I thrived in that society. I, I loved it, but it kept my energy so charged up that once I went through my trauma, I couldn't do it anymore. I just literally couldn't because it would give me excruciating pain to go into that kind of verbal battle. And so I had to unlearn or redirect the so-called enjoyment out of that. And that enjoyment turned into the question that, I, that, um, is very poignant and was utilized in a great situation with Aaron and I of would you rather be right or would you rather be helpful? And so I turned the energy from needing to be right to let, how can I be helpful in this situation? And obviously this person seems like they need to be heard. Um, I have people that listen to me, but lots of people don't have people that listen to them. So that's why they need to preach to someone. And so if I can play that role and be clear in my view and listen to this other person, share their view, then I feel like I've been useful. I haven't agreed, but I've, I've shown them that I can have a different view and I can still listen to you. And maybe that'll help them down the road to listen to somebody that has a different view than they do. So I think that that, that understanding that just darkness flees light and the light doesn't have to be forceful. It just uh, doesn't have to run away. And that's what many people of the so-called light, you know, um, are sensitive. And so once there becomes any pressure, uh, many times the light will run away. And that's all that they don't have to do is just, just be willing to stand in your power in your own light and let whatever darkness you know is around you not uh not dim your light but as soon as it starts to dim then my suggestion is to remove yourself from the situation uh, don't wait until it almost puts your light out remove yourself from the situation as soon as it starts affecting you okay i have to ask this question and i almost forgot uh so jenny left a question in i think it was our group um, that she said she couldn't make it tonight. So she wanted me to ask this. How do, how do we, um, what did I write here? <laughs> okay. How do we handle the challenge of leading, working, and managing people who carry preference when we are working with the non-preference? Well, another great question. And I think the answer to that starts off with just being the example and understanding that people need that example for a long period of time uh, to truly get it. And so that means that the example has to be challenged for a long period of time to show that person or the people that know there's a different way to approach this stuff. 
and to show them that, you know, they will see over time that if your mood is just generally better than theirs and they're staying upset and angry all the time and you're living in the same world around the same situations, but you're not allowing it to affect you and see that's the teaching through example. And even when you can point out maybe useful things on both sides or not useful things on both sides, like anytime you bring up a point about one, then bring up an equal point about the other, not to show that, hey, you don't have to choose sides here. You know, there's a wonderful Native American proverb that says, you know, the right wing and left wing are attached to the same bird. And so so all these parties and and things that people are so dedicated to, uh, they're not pure. They all have their so-called pros and so-called cons and we're busy like fighting against each other rather than pro just being able to see the pros on both sides and the cons on both sides to be able to have that kind of discussion. And then you might have a slight preference and your friend might have a slight preference too. But if the conversations could just be steered toward, hey, what can we see similarly? What can we discuss that is useful rather than what can we prove to one another and, and keep bringing up just negative stuff about the opposite parties or, you know, in sports, the opposite teams or, you know, trying to figure out in a drama of whether, you know, the person is a good guy or a bad guy that's running from the cops. And see, we're, we're just trained to, to think and try to figure out that, like, what's right and what's wrong, like, so fast. And we need all the information. <laughs> we need many, many variables that aren't revealed to truly know the answer to that. And most people are drawing their opinions on very limited information instead of having these stimulating conversations to, hey, can we just discuss on your side what you see as strengths and weaknesses? And I'll discuss on my side what I see as strengths and weaknesses and not get into comparing, but get into conversation. Hey, just going to uh, go through a few comments that were left. We got um, a shout out to Finn. Mm -hmm. He appreciates appreciates that we got a shout out to you alexander for Thanks, your answer and then we got claire thank you both for helping the darkness flee your lights mm. thank you i'm going to put that i'm going to write that down in my sticky note put it yes, in the box for later it's important those that are practicing non-preference too to make sure that people don't misunderstand that it doesn't mean that you don't care it just means that you don't care to cause friction to get your view across uh, that, that is not weak. That is mature in, in my view. And, and maturity is what actually brings conscious change. Um, not adolescent temper tantrums. And that's what we're experiencing a lot in our government, in our school systems, um, just every, almost every area of our culture. And so once again, that's not a judgment and I'm not pointing anybody out. I'm just saying that any situation that is healed is done through communication, not through aggression. And we, you know, we're working towards getting away from this winner and loser mentality to understand that we are all connected. And in order for one party to win, somebody else has to lose. And that, uh, you know, compassionate people can show compassion to the losers. And those were the, 
the athletes that I looked to um, to appreciate when I was growing up was the ones that that were kind and in their ability was so comfortable that when somebody made like say a nice shot or a nice play on them that they went over and shook their hand that to me was so inspiring over so much more inspiring over somebody that just talked trash and and boosted their egos constantly and that happens a lot in sports and it's the same as you were saying earlier about showing respect even in any kind of drama like when you have an adversary and you come face to face you know the respect is is typically there that to show that respect of you make me a better person and more faithful in my faith by challenging me therefore you know i don't like you but i respect you and that's something important to understand is that you can respect somebody or something without liking them and respect can go a long way energetically uh, because we do need those opposites or those polarities to help make us stronger and to be angry at those opposites is very unconscious and unwise and very adolescent so this is really just about shifting your perception as to whether you want to approach life uh, like a conscious adult or you want to continue being jerked around by your emotional whims you know uh, like a young child and this philosophy and this work you know is just really useful at breaking down step by step how to do or undo this conditioning that has uh, been done to most all of us um, whether it was with good intentions or not okay um so we're we're coming to the end but i have a a few more things if they're quick um so in the episode of non-preference or preferences i said you have to like some things and i kind of cringe when i listen back to that because I, <laughs> I i kind of would like would have liked to pose it in a question and get your response to it but but that that brought me to a question is the whole like practice around preference and non-preference is it to train us to consider the cost of all of our preferences because you've said that you know it's okay to have a preference as long as you accept the cost so is it is that like what we're trying to get people to do yes yes like you know i can say that i like uh ravi shankar's music uh indian sitar better than um i don't know heavy metal thrash music um you know i'm not judging heavy metal thrash music i just have a, a slight liking to the Ravi Shankar but you know it the point is is that if I'm at someone's house or in someone's car and they're playing heavy metal music then I don't have to go into a rant or preaching and try to convince them to put on some Ravi Shankar music what I can do is I can realize my preference and then I can sit in the discomfort of it until I learn to make love with my resistance until I sit there in that heavy metal music and go, what can I find to appreciate in this? Rather than focusing on what I don't like, what, how can I find a way to appreciate this? And that is a practice that, that I've just done daily for over 20 years now. And, and that is basically the teaching of this non-preference is that the more that you put yourself, not put yourself in situations, you'll find yourself automatically in situations that you don't like. And when you practice finding gratitude or finding something that you can like in it, then all of a sudden the situations that you don't like start falling away. 
and you're when you're able to shift your perception and get out of like so-called negativity this is the recognize show respect and redirect then see you're standing more and more in your power you're sticking your stake in the ground of who you are what you're about what you exemplify deeper and deeper and deeper because you're not going to be controlled by opposition out there in the world you're not going to be controlled by duality you're going to accept it through polarity and you're going to go there you are man i used to be uh have way much more preference around this than i do now now i can sit in this conversation with this person for an hour to where it used to be five minutes and they would have me so frustrated that I would, it would ruin my week and so that's the point of once again practicing non-preference is to get you to a point to where anytime you find yourself in disalignment or dissonance that you're able to shift it energetically mentally physically emotionally and spiritually into a harmonious vibration that's the power that we have that is the true power of vibration and that the fifth pillar that everything is vibration so see when we shift just the way that we are looking at a situation we do not have to change our environment the people or the actions of them all we have to do is shift our perception and that's in our preferences and i've i've proven beyond a shadow of a doubt in my own path that when you dissolve those preferences the challenges of those preferences stop showing up because when you don't give something frictional energy it can't grow it has to start dissipating that's a law of physics that's not something i made up that's the way that energy works so i think that that's very important for people to truly um, digest and take you know from this q a and and from that episode of preferences um, because this is one that challenges many people and it's just a matter of of being able to shift how you look at something and you can practice that with people that you don't like or things that don't uh, exemplify uh, beauty or something good in your life whether that is politics or religion or a sports team or whatever it is to to go to that sports team that you've just despised your whole life and find one player on that team and then you pull for that one player all year and every game you go look up his stats what he's doing you know you you find something of some kind of drama that's going on somewhere in the world and rather than that just being all bad about this one group or something like that be willing to see something about like the passion uh like for example i got told a story uh, in my late 20s about this gentleman that was traveling in Europe from ashram to ashram during the Vietnam War and he was following this guru and uh, he really enjoyed his teachings and when he was walking into this building this group of fanatic Christians someone picked up a brick and threw it and hit the Swami in the back of the head and it started bleeding right away and he had two bodyguards with him and those bodyguards like lunged toward going uh toward that fence to where that person was and the swami grabbed both of them and in that moment he said let's not think negatively about this person's passion their passion for their religion is a beautiful thing and if their passion was on our side then we would be praising them and so we do not need to take this time to 
try to correct them or show them a different way, but let's please appreciate the passion that they have. And that if that passion was just learned to be redirected, it can be so useful and beautiful to the world. And see, see that type of view is he was willing to take that blow. He was willing to take that pain. He was willing to direct people that wanted to protect him for the overall good of everyone involved. And when I hear true stories like that, it just shoots chills all over my body because that strength to me, that is everything that the just philosophy stands for. And that, that is not, um, that is not weakness in any way, shape or form. Uh, strength does not always need to be shown in action. So Michelle comments, darkness, fleas, light. Thank you both for your service to others. Super helpful tips and enlightening questions. Practicing non-preference, turning off the TV and focusing on my intentions has changed the quality of my life. Well thank said. Thank you so thank much you for, Michelle, sharing for sharing that. Yes, and sharing with your people. So for all the people who have stuck around until the end, I want to like quick fire. <laughs> Let's see if Alexander can quick fire some <laughs> ideas of people who are struggling, whether it's, whether it's anxiety, depression, just feeling stuck. What are some ways, some examples of ways they can really get the energy moving around them and, you know, kind of step out of that. And I'll just throw some, you know, one, one of these things that you do, Alexander, is rearrange your, your home a lot whenever yeah. you feel new energy. And I love that idea. And um, you can even do like new clothes. You know, it's kind of like anything that's creative, but, you know, give us some examples on your mind. Yes, I think that, yes, anything that you can do uh, creative helps to break up that worry type of energy, which is connected to anxiety. And, you know, uh, making a practice of that. I can't tell you the strength of contacting just someone and sharing with them how they inspire you. Uh, to be able to connect to someone that that does lift you up, whether they're lifting you up in that moment or not, isn't important. Is that you just express that, hey, when you do this, you know, it does make a difference in my life, and it helps that other person to want to do whatever they do, you know, more often. So that's a direct way to get into gratitude. And many people, when they're going through anxiety, it's connected to self-loathing self-loathing and that's why reaching out and reaching to someone that you just appreciate you know anything about and just being able to tell them about that see they're eventually going to want to say something nice back to you which is a side effect of that because that's not what you're going for you're not you're not looking to give get a compliment you're looking to give one and be in the vibration of appreciation the vibration of gratitude so that's uh, uh one that i would just throw off the top of my head Cool. And if anybody else out there has their own practices or ideas that they want to throw down in the comments for other people to view later on for those who well, are there now and those who will, who will be watching it in the rerun, uh, please do. Please share those with everybody and join our community. Uh, let, me, let me throw that out. Let me, let me go through the list of links here. Um, like us on Facebook. That's cool, even though not everybody sees our posts. Um, but I like... I, Anything I post on Facebook, I usually share into our Facebook community. So that's why it's vital for you guys. Um, if you want to be part of our community and get our Facebook posts, join our community. It's facebook.com slash group slash wise wise podcast. And you can follow us on Instagram where our most recent post is a glorious picture of Jocko, Alexander's cat, mm -hmm. who is uh, what we're master calling teacher. a way shower, yeah, master teacher. 
So Jocko is a cool cat. Um, and of course, you can download and stream the podcast on wise-wise.com, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else that you can find podcasts. Um, and it just I just wanted to say thank you for everybody attending. And please, you know, share the podcast, whether it's, you know, from our, our website or from YouTube. Uh, or even from Spotify, any little thing helps just spread it with people who you think can really benefit from this information. And, uh, you know, if you really want to help us out, leaving a review on iTunes and rating us there helps out a lot in our ability to get ranked. And, and the more higher we rank, the more people see us and the more people try us and the more people like us. And then we only get further support built out and like a ripple. So, um, yes, and, and testimonials to anybody that, yeah. you know, can shoot us testimonials to get on the website and um, that really helps that third party connection really helps many people uh, rather than Aaron and I um, promoting it. So, so thank you everyone. And I'll throw this out there. If anybody wants to do a video testimonial and, you know, maybe wants to put it up on our, on our site eventually, um, you know, we might be game for that. So just consider that if somebody's brave enough, to do that, um, we would greatly appreciate it uh, because I do feel like that face-to-face and that that authenticity of somebody, you know, feeling that and seeing that would go a long way. So I, I mean, I I appreciate everybody here. Um, you know, again, like our Facebook or join our Facebook community, and we will alert you when our new uh, website is up, and you guys can check it out. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to Aaron, and um, and gratitude to the divine for providing this opportunity to, to be of service and all of you beautiful people that are involved. Uh, we just really appreciate you.